So this is a reading, um, Acts chapter 11, verses 1 to 18. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as, I had, as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying that in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was, looked into it, and saw four-footed animals of the earth wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God had made clean. This happened three times and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to, to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all the household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So I, God, gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to reflect upon your word. We pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom. Help us to discern the message that you have for each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever experienced something that shook you to the core? I don't mean just a, a minor little change or some interesting experience, but something that happened to you that really changed who you were, that you just could not continue on business as usual. When I think back on my life, I can think of a number of events that did that for me. 
Uh, one of them is the first time that I remember a dramatic answer to prayer. So not something like, uh, God, I hope that I can get a good parking spot or I uh, hope I have a good day or something like that, but something that was very specific and was answered in a very dramatic way that I could not dismiss it as just a coincidence. And when that happened, that shook me. It really, really shook me because not only was this proof that God was real, but he knew who I was. He could actually hear me. And I felt this connection with God. And I thought, I, I can't continue on the way I am. Uh, this is something that's going to change everything. Uh, another major change in my life, of course, was when I got married and when I had children. So having a, a wife and having children, uh, what a life-changing experience. I couldn't just live for myself anymore. I had people who were dependent upon me. Uh, I was living in relationship in a way that I had never experienced before. And so that really was a life-changing experience for me. Another one would have been when I thought that I was dying and I was confronted with my own mortality. Of course, I knew that I was going to die at some point, but to really believe that it was something that was in sight, uh, that really affected me. I had to think about what was really important. What were the things that mattered? And so that's something that, that really, really shook me. Now, what I'm talking about here, the technical term for this is a paradigm shift. Now, what is a paradigm? Well, that, that's a paradigms, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something really different. Webster's defines a paradigm shift in this way. An important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way. Now, this is something that's usually pretty painful. And when we think of examples, even in history, they've always been painful. Uh, it's not something that just happens for individuals. It happens for the church. The church has been experiencing paradigm shifts right from the beginning. Some of the ones that came to mind were the first time that the church was a legal religion in the Roman Empire, and they were no longer the victims of persecution. Or the Reformation, which included the rediscovering of salvation by grace and getting the Bible into the language of the people. This was a major paradigm shift for the church. And then there was the separation of church and state, not insisted on by the state, but insisted on by the church. These were huge paradigm shifts. They just changed the way everything would happen after this. I would like to argue that we are in the midst of a paradigm shift right now. And that's what I want to talk about as we look back to the experience of Peter and what happened after his visit with Cornelius. Now, in the previous sermon that I preached, we looked at the story of Peter and Cornelius. We saw how God had broken down the prejudice that Peter had towards Gentiles, which got Peter into the home of Cornelius, even though he was brought up not to visit with Gentiles, not to eat with Gentiles, he got there, he went in, he preached the gospel, and God accepted Cornelius and the rest of his Gentile 
household. God poured out his Holy Spirit upon those Gentiles, and Peter recognized what had happened and said, well, how can we withhold baptism from them? Obviously, God has accepted them, and so let us baptize them. So it was an amazing event, just an incredible experience. It's one of that handful of of events in the Bible, I just would have loved to have been there to, to see what that was like. And I'm sure it was very exciting for everyone present. But eventually, Peter was going to have to go back to Jerusalem. He's going to go back and he's going to have to answer to the rest of the apostles. Uh, I'm going to date myself here by uh, Thinking back to the old television show, I Love Lucy, which uh, a number of you, I'm sure, will remember. And if you remember uh, in that show, Lucy would often get in trouble, and uh, her husband, Ricky Ricardo, uh, would say, Lucy, you've got some splaining to do. Well, that's kind of what was going on here. The Jerusalem apostles were looking at Peter and they had heard what had happened, that these Gentiles had been accepted into the church, they'd been baptized, but they hadn't converted to Judaism, they hadn't taken on the law, they hadn't been circumcised, they had been just welcomed just as they were, and they were looking at Peter saying, Peter, you've got some splaining to do. They wanted to know, how could Peter do this? This was such an innovation, this was so outside of the box. How could Peter do something like this. And so Peter just shares the story. He says that this was not his innovation. This isn't something that he came up with. He wasn't sitting around thinking, you know what would be really cool is if we could reach out to the Gentiles and let's just forget about the law, let's forget about circumcision, let's just welcome them in. I think that'd be a great idea. That's not how it went. Uh, Peter had the same views about Gentiles that the rest of the Jerusalem apostles had. But Peter saw what God was doing. He saw what God was pointing towards in terms of everyone being clean before him and God pouring out his spirit upon them, welcoming them just as they were. And so Peter says to the, his critics, he says, uh, who are you to hinder, who, who was he to hinder what God was doing? And implicit in that was responding to the apostles saying, who are you to hinder? You might not agree with what God is doing, but God is God, and he's sort of in charge. And if he says this is the way it is, this is the way it is. Now, it was still a really hard thing. Uh, officially, the Jerusalem Council accepted it. They, they agreed, okay, apparently this is what God is doing. But many of them weren't happy with it, and some of them continued to fight it. In fact, this was uh, an ongoing controversy for decades after this event. There were some that were never able to move beyond the traditional way of doing things and were not able to accept the paradigm shift. But it had happened. And today, 99% uh, of the church are Gentile. The, the paradigm did shift things did change. And that was the experience of Peter and the apostles and Cornelius. But what about us? Well, I want to go back to that definition of a paradigm shift. An important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new 
and different way. Now, is there anything going on in our society that could possibly look like a paradigm shift? Are, is there a, a shift in how we are thinking and how we are doing things? Well, there's a number of things that are actually going on that really are changing the way the church is able to operate. The first thing, uh, first change that we're having is that we live in a post-Christian society. Now, I'm not saying that there's no Christians. Obviously, there's Christians in society. We are Christians. There are many Christians in society, but we are not a Christian society. We are not a Christian culture. The days of the Christian culture that were once there are long gone. Uh, the privilege of place that the church once enjoyed, that is gone. We are one institution among many institutions, and there is no um, assumption that Christianity is correct. There's no assumption that the church has authority. Uh, we live in a time where we are living often on the fringes as people of faith. And many people don't like this. They look back to the time of Christian Canada and say that's when things were great, where uh, people just uh, assumed that you would go to church. Uh, I remember when, uh, when I was growing up, certainly that's the way it was, that uh, everyone was connected with some church. They might not have attended every Sunday. Maybe they attended just Easter and, or Christmas. Maybe it was even uh, less frequent than that, but they considered themselves a part of a church. It was just a matter of what tradition you might belong to, but that is gone. There are uh, many families that are generations away from any connection that they had to any particular church. So we live in a post-Christian society. Another change that we've experienced is that we live in a culture that is experiencing extreme diversity. Again, looking back to my childhood, everyone kind of looked the same and talked the same and did the same kind of things. And of course, there were differences, but usually they were hidden. Uh, people didn't have their differences out there. And so there was some homogeneity in terms of the way society was, the way our culture was, and it was all pretty much the same thing. We do not live in that world anymore. Uh, we live in a society that is very ethnically diverse, and that's something that I celebrate. I am so glad about our church that we have such uh, wonderful diversity of ethnicity. But we have to remember that that diversity is not just a, a beautiful variety in skin color. It also has to do with culture, that we all look at things in different ways. Just to give you one example, uh, I prefer just to be called Steve. I don't like being called Pastor Steve. Uh, I like the informality of people just calling me Steve. And I was visiting with someone uh, from the church uh, who was born outside of Canada, and they asked how I wanted to be addressed. And I said, just Steve is fine. And they said, no, we can't do that. Uh, our culture says we have to use a title. And so we're going to have to call you Pastor Steve. And I, I accepted that. Uh, that's fine if that's what their culture wants. But that's uh, an example of the diversity that comes with ethnicity. There's also religious diversity as well. There was a time if you want to 
encounter the major religions of the world, you would have to go all around the world to, to meet people. Now you're going to find all of those religions represented just on the street that you live in. Uh, people are all around us from all kinds of different religions. And uh, it is just an amazing experience. It's one of the things I enjoy as my role as a military chaplain to encounter people with, uh, from different religions and to be able to minister to them. It's just a, a fantastic opportunity. That's one of the changes that we have experienced. You know that I'm going to talk about disabilities, of course, and uh, people have had disabilities since, since there's been humans. But oftentimes people with disabilities were, uh, were hidden. They were, they would stay home. They would be in, in, uh, um, institutions or, uh, they were just kept out of the public. And we didn't often see people with disabilities growing up in school. Uh, rarely did I see people, uh, with disabilities unless we happened to visit a specific school that was for people with disabilities. And now uh, people with disabilities are everywhere and they're not just interested in being welcomed into a church. They want to be included in a church. They want to be uh, completely involved and rightfully so. I am a champion for that. I try to, uh, to preach that as often as possible. And another aspect of diversity uh, that we are experiencing is uh, the greater prominence of the LGBTQ community. Now, again, I, I've been reflecting a lot upon, upon my childhood, and uh, when I think back to uh, growing up in school, uh, I didn't know of any of my friends who were gay. Now, they were gay. I did have friends that were gay, but I never knew that. I knew that as an adult. In fact, later on as an adult that I would find that out. But at the time, there was no way that they were going to share those details about their life. It was just completely uh, underground. And now one of my children uh, has told me that in her class, half of her class, half identifies in some way as LGBTQ, not just one or 2%, but half of her class. We live in a very different world. We live in a world of diversity. Now, as I share those things, both our, our post-Christian society and the diversity that we experience, you might be thinking, wow, that's, that's too much change. That is too hard for us to be able to respond in any way to those things. I often joke, uh, we don't mind change as long as it's the same kind of change we've always had. Well, this actually brings us to the next paradigm shift, and it's something that we are experiencing right now, and it's called the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, many of us are grieving the pandemic. There's so much that we don't like about the pandemic. We don't like that we're not able to worship in person right now. We don't like that we can't sing together. We don't like that we can't have potlucks. We don't like that we can't visit each other in person. And so there's much that we don't like, but there's some really good things that have happened with this pandemic. And one of those is, has been the, the radical change that we have experienced. And I have sat back as your pastor and watched the change that has happened as people have adjusted by learning to use new technologies 
of adapting in the ways that they are caring for each other, of, of making phone calls and sending cards and sending emails and, and doing all kinds of out-of-the-box thinking to adapt to the circumstances in which we uh, are experiencing right now. It has been incredible. I have watched you change a lot in a very short amount of time. It's been incredible. And so I see a paradigm shift that has happened and not just that you have learned a new sk skill in terms of being able to operate Zoom. The paradigm shift that has happened is we have all realized that we can change. We can adapt to our changing circumstances. It is possible. We do have what it takes by God's power. We can do it. And so that paradigm shift may be the key to help us to understand how to adapt to those other changing circumstances. When we look back to the experience of Peter and what must have been an uncomfortable meeting with the apostles in Jerusalem as he has to explain that things have changed. Uh, if he had known the song back then, he might have thought about uh, Bob Dylan's old song, The Times They Are A-Changin'. In fact, the first verse of that song is so applicable, not just to the experience of Peter and the Jerusalem apostles, but to us today in our changing world. This is how the, the first verse goes. And I promise you, I am not going to sing Bob Dylan, although I can do a pretty good Bob Dylan impression in terms of talking, but that's for another time. Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and, it, and accept it that soon you will be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. The times, they are a-changing. Uh, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God does not change. But our world changes. And we have seen that in the book of Acts as the early Christians were forced to adapt and to change. Uh, not to change the message of Jesus, but to change in the way in which they operated. And it was painful. It hurt for them to do that. And some people never accepted it. We live in a changing world. We live in a world that is post-Christian, that no longer accepts that Christianity is automatically the truth. We live in a diverse world where there is all kinds of differences. But that diversity is not bad. It actually points us back to Paul's vision of what the church should look like as the body of Christ. Unity, not in uniformity, but unity in diversity, celebrating the ways in which we are different. Can we adapt to these circumstances? Can we change with the times without changing the message of Jesus? Well, the COVID pandemic has proven that we can change. We have experienced a paradigm shift, and we have discovered that with God's help, we can change that it is something that is possible. And of that, we must be thankful. Let us pray. God, we confess that it is hard for us to see so much change happening in such a short period of time. Many of the things that we have taken
for granted just are no longer there. And we can feel frazzled, we can feel frustrated, we can feel confused. And yet we see as we look back across the ages to the ancient church, that they were forced to deal with circumstances that were just as difficult. And we saw that you worked by the power of your spirit in the life of Peter and of the Jerusalem apostles. We believe that your same spirit can empower us as your church in this community to be your people and to adapt, though the message of Jesus never changes. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.